You are listening to another episode of Frontline Magic Podcast with your host, Susan Axelson. In this episode, I have Jerry Campbell with me, who is a frontline veteran with a career credential that spans both senior military and corporate positions. Jerry believes the fundamental of supporting a frontline team is always the same. Having served as a customer experience and social engagement manager for 7-Eleven stores, and now as a director on consumer service for the largest healthcare insurer in the US, United Healthcare, Jerry shares some solid advice to help you restart your customer service heart. So Jerry, as a director of consumer service for United Healthcare, in your role, what does it mean to connect the world to better health one person at the time? Really, we just want to deliver that effortless experience to the customer. You want to make sure that we're connecting with them and treat them with whatever their life solution is, making sure that's taken care of, no matter how big or how small, and just really providing for that person to be cared for on a one-on-one basis. They may be calling about the bill or my bill, or you don't know, it may be a life-threatening event, but any way they come into us, we wanna make sure that they're completely satisfied and that they don't have to worry about a thing when we're delivering that kind of experience for them. And how will that look like? Do you have some structure or kind of framework that you follow to ensure that even if it's you know an emergency or just a payment plan that they're calling in about, like how do you ensure that the quality is on top? When I first stepped into this role, there hadn't been a director here. So I always say it starts at the beginning, right? It starts from when you hire the person from the interview and then you go into training. And every training class that I have with the, our advocates, I, I go in and talk to them on day one and I ask them what they know about and understand about healthcare, right? And then after they graduate, I ask the same question. And of course, the experience is a lot different. They know more. And then I just tell them, can you just tell that in a simplified manner to people who don't understand healthcare. That's what I'm asking you to deliver. Take it basic and strip it down and make it understandable for those people who don't understand it. Yeah. And that's just where it, that's just where it begins. And that's how you start to deliver that one at a time healthcare for each person. And from your time at 7-Eleven, what was one of the proudest achievements? Or it could be a moment, too, that you remember. I remember walking into 7-Eleven, and uh, my boss at the time, Michelle Brigman, me and Michelle are still great friends. She's a great supporter, taught me so much. But she goes in, she says, Jerry, uh, you can't mess this up and just do what you can do to fix it. And I was like, what do you mean I can't mess this up? So I go in, I, I look at my the minimal staff I had on the call center. I had started asking questions and they said, yeah, we're about 40,000 cases in backlog. And I was like, 40,000 cases? That's like, how long does that take to, to respond? And they're like, four months. And I was just looked at it. And then just it, at the moment, it just brought a moment of clarity to me. But it gave some of the senior leaders when I went in and talked to them about it, gave them anxiety. And, but they trusted me and I said, Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to forget those 40,000 cases and we're going to start anew. 
And I remember the chief operation officers, what do you mean we're just going to forget those? And I said, we're going to start our processes, outline our processes, get technology in place. We're going to forget about those 40,000. Because I said, could you imagine if after four months I called you and you were like, you're just now getting back to me with my issue? I'd probably be more mad that you made me relive that experience than you saying you're getting back to me. At the end of the day, it worked out. And now they're responding within, you know, in the moment, in real time to most of their calls. And if it's an email, then they're responding within two days. So that's probably one of the, the proudest achievements I had in my career. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a big turn for a brand like that. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So going from working in retail to now working in healthcare, do you feel there's a shift in the toolbox that you will use in applying you know, great customer experience? Or is it the same kind of format that you follow? I think it's the same format. I think, and we talked about my career and how I went through the military. <clears throat> and I was actually talking to a former military colleague earlier today, and we were talking about how it's so much similar the things we did in the military, we just translated that to the corporate world. And, and really, it's about looking at the issues, getting to the root cause, and then relying upon those frontline people to really make the, the, the right choices and giving them the freedom to make the right choices and, and giving them the tools and resources to have the freedom to make those right choices. So I think whether I went from the military to the financial world, and then I went from finance to retail, and now I'm in healthcare. The basics of, around the customer experience are the same. It's just that there's some different nuances around the regulatory stuff and some different government formalities, but the basic format is still the same. Yeah. So how do you make sure that you unmute the front line? So they really can deliver that great customer experience. It takes a, it takes what it what I call is a servant leadership type of mentality. Understanding that the employees need that resource, need the tools to meet their performance expectations, and really, it, I always tell people that customer experience starts with the employee experience. So I have to listen to them. And I have to make them create a, a culture that, that is their voice's value. So I always take the information from the lowest levels. And then I'd say, let's institute one of those ideas, right? Let's institute something that the front line has just told me. And then I like to bring them into some meetings, maybe, you know, a couple of meetings with the leaders and supervisors. Let's hear what you have to say. And once they, they get that and they feel trusted, they build on their abilities and it's reinforced the belief that they are the linchpin to our success. You know, again, just opening up, being servant to those frontline people and also listening to them and valuing their opinions is how that we create that kind of success. Yeah. And on a daily basis, how could that look like? You mentioned like bringing them into meetings, but how do you make sure that kind of becomes a part of the habits? Yeah, when we talk about creating that habits in the culture, it, it gets contagious, right? When you listen to those people and then you empower them, you give them the latitude to make choices. Um, 
to create a great experience, they feel self-satisfied, self-gratification, and it spreads amongst the, the team like that. And I can tell you this, just like, uh, you know, once you get a, you know, healthy environment like that, and you have inner team and peer-to-peer -peer kind of competition, then they start to want to deliver on those things. I can tell you my experience at 7-Eleven, when I first got there, the agents only had a set limit on which they could give points away to satisfy people. And I just asked, I was like, why do we limit them on the amount of points they can? We want them to be able to just satisfy a customer, create that great customer experience. And that builds their confidence. And once they were able, unchained, unbridled to do that kind of thing, they you just saw it build amongst the team. And they weren't doing outrageous amounts of points, but they were out there to make sure there was a healthy competition built to say, how many people can I satisfy? How many have you satisfied? They're sitting next to their peers asking them questions like this. That's how you build the habits in the day-to-day -day operation and spreads through the culture of the company. Thinking about the experience that you deliver for your customer, what is the difference between an experience that's average and one that is awesome? I can, I'll tell you this, Suzanne, it's the personal connection, right? To connect on a one-on-one -on -one level, that makes a that makes it different. You don't want to talk to somebody that's reading through a checklist to you. You want somebody that's connected and understanding what you are going through. And so that's what makes it different is I can deliver to you the checklist that says these are the steps. But once I connect with you and I say, Suzanne, I understand. We've been, I've been through that with you. I understand that happened to me. Well, let me tell you what happened to me and let me see how we can fix this for you. That's what makes it from just an okay to a great experience. Yeah, and how do you build that in your frontline teams? How do you build yeah. empathy amongst them? Some people, you know, some... <laughs> It's hard to do that sometimes because some people just naturally are the checklist type of people. They're going to say, boom, I have to do this. There, I'm looking down the list. Okay, I've done this. Okay, thank you for the call. You're gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's kind of hard to do that. And I, I say this, that I had the opportunity to, to visit Zappos and they got great, amazing customer service. I had the opportunity to sit in there and they talk about how long their calls are. The first thing that I do when I go in is get rid of these metrics. And Zappos has done the same thing. Do, we track our calls, but I'm not worried about average channel time, right? It's not about average channel time. They had a call for two hours and 35 minutes, right? One customer. <laughs> and so they've talked in and they connected. And at, after about 30 minutes, they weren't even talking about the issue. They were just talking about life and How's your day doing and what's going on in the world? But do you know that customer calls back every year to that agent and wishes them happy birthday, right? Every year. Oh, wow. That's building loyalty, right? That's building loyalty. So what you got to do is cut through the red tape of the metrics because those are financial kind of gains metrics. And you need to cut through those layers and let the customer experience flow through. That's where you're going to build 
you know, the loyalty, that's where you're going to build profitability because you want those people to return, right? I can check you off the checklist and you may or may not return, but if I connect with you, you're going to return. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not about how many calls you can do per day. It's more about the quality of the calls that you deliver and the connections that you build. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Most so, companies, they look at the, the financial bearings of, I got to get 20 calls in per day, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. So what does it take to create a workplace where employees are genuinely happy to be at work? I come in here to United Healthcare and I get the, one of the first days I remember at a place like, you know, I had to go in, I had something happen and I have to go home, right? And the supervisor's, okay, she's out of time and she's, now I got to write her up. And I'm like, okay, life happens. This is what I always tell them, life happens. What would it take for you in that situation? How would you want to be treated in that situation? Life happens. Sometimes, whether they are, know it or not, they've used their time off, but still we cannot void them of those kind of things when they need it. If you know you had childcare to take care of, or you had a sick parent, or even a sick pet, you want to be able to let them do that. Because I guarantee you, in return, that's when the loyalty is built from the employees to the leadership and the organization. And they're going to be like, they did this for me. Now it's my time to reciprocate. And I'm going to put out my best effort for that leadership team. I guess it comes down to the same thing they were talking about earlier, like really showing empathy, not only for the customers, but also for your employees and building, yeah. you know, building around absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever I talk about the customer experience, it starts with the employee experience because can you imagine, uh, Suzanne, you've had a rough day and now they want you to get on the phone and talk to a customer and the customer comes at you and they're mad. You're not feeling good. Your, your boss got onto you when you got, so how are you going to deliver <laughs> in that kind of mindset, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> you want to be able to be like, at least come in and say, I had a rough day, I had a rough night. And I'm like, yeah, Suzanne, I understand, you know? Hey, take a couple of minutes, you know? get some coffee, just relax for a minute. When you get yourself together, I need you to get on the phones after that. Once you get that kind of, that vibe going on, you're like, oh yeah, I, I'm good, I'm good. Now I can get on the phone and now I can give my whole self to the situation. Yeah, yeah, that's great, great advice. What do you think are the key to really motivate your employees to give that great customer experience? treating them but is there something else that you know think is the key i think treating them right and then rewarding them with the right purpose and intent too often is people will just give rewards just to be given rewards as we here in the united states is customer service week and people love to be like here's all these gifts you guys are great but they forget about that stuff during the rest of the year right when somebody delivers something amazing experience to, you need to really appreciate them in the moment. You need to appreciate them and celebrate them in the, you know, and a lot of companies have these annual awards and all of this stuff. And then they limit the number of people that they say, okay, we can 
only have this many, I go in and I say, why is there a limit? Why is there a limit to the number of people that we can recognize that are producing great work? Yeah. If they're all if they're all producing, let's give it to them. And so I, I kind of got in a little little trouble here when I got to United Healthcare because I was like, what's the budget on rewards? And they were like, oh, my boss said, you know, there's really nothing. Done. And the next thing I know, I was knee deep into my budget <laughs> past <laughs> it because I rewarded people, but they were delivering on great experiences. So it was well worth it. And now they understand and they still reciprocate that effort. So that's where you got to really notice and appreciate people in the moment. And how do you do that? How do you coach for those like small improvements and great achievements? I think you, you got to take the personality out of it. You know, while you're connecting personally on trying to give them uplift, you still have to empathize with them on those moments when they need some coaching. And I, and I, I coach people, my supervisors on that kind of methodology as well, because sometimes that person is not a fit for that position. And I, I never make it about them and their abilities. I make it on, let's talk about what we can do to make you success. If I'm gonna move you to a different team, it's because I want you to be successful, not because you're doing a terrible job. I want to take your skill set and put it over here that matches so that you can be achieve the, the, the things that we need you to achieve. So again, it really comes down to connecting again, but you just got to make sure that when you're coaching, it's not driven home that you did this bad. You're terrible. We got to get, we get, let's highlight those things that you can do the great things that are a part of you and let's put you in a position where we can highlight those things. So that's the uh, kind of attitude I use. Even when I'm coaching my leaders and, you know, some of them, it, you have to break those habits that they come to the, co the company with because they've seen, they've been demonstrated to how to be a leader and got to break those habits. And so it's yeah. not personal, you know? Let them be their natural selves, leaders and in front line. Let them be their natural selves and then you'll be successful. What kind of tools and frameworks do you have in place to, to drive that? They've never understood why I would take the lowest level of managers and um, I'd be like, okay, I need you to sit in this meeting with me. The first couple of months they would sit in a meeting with me and I would, be, I would talk or whatever. I'm like, okay, now... You have it. I'm not going to that meeting anymore. It's on you. I'm giving it to you. And you come back and we'll talk about it. What? And when they come back and they say, Jerry, we need to do this. I'm like, what do you think about that? Right? Ask the questions. Yeah. What is your opinion on this? Yeah. And so what I found out is by doing that, asking why, ooh, what do you think? I go back later and I see them asking their employees why. What do you think? So I'm emulating what I want them to do. And it, it just kept cascading down. Yeah, great. <laughs> so we do understand that high quality of customer care really drives you know, the profit of, of the business and increase customer satisfactions as well. But how do you make sure that is something that follows all the way from the 
front line to the back office. I'll go back to my 11 days. It really hits home there. I talk about like when I was thinking of how we can create this omni-channel presence. And I'm talking about the website. And I'm like, why can't people self-serve on the website? So I go to the back office web designers and they're like, we did this and we're going to put it in here. We're doing this. And I'm like, did you ever think to ask the customer, the voice of the customer team, what customers are saying about this website? No, because we're, we're monitoring and we're doing, we're getting our metrics and we're getting the hits on the pages. And I'm like, it's when you talk about SEO and all this other stuff that goes into the website, how can I look up retail or convenience stores and be next to a 7-Eleven and can't get a 7-Eleven to hit? So that was brought it home to them. They're like, oh, I got to listen to what the customers are saying. So now our efforts were combined, the back office work, what they were doing in the back office, in the app, in the website, fuel loyalty program. Every time they would come and they, it went from a mentality of we're putting this into place to before we put this into place, we're gonna see what the customers are talking about. We're gonna talk to our voice of the customer and then we collaborated. And then they seen their SEO spike. They seen the utilization of the app spike and profits build by listening to the customer, understanding that we're collaborating again, breaking down those silos. And that's what you have to do is break down those silos. Yeah. And what is your best tips on how to do that? Because I think a lot of companies are probably operating in that way, in the silos. How do yeah. you break that? That's uh, a good question. I, I often ask myself that, Suzanne. I'm like, how do we break down <laughs> silos? And I think as a chain, as a customer experience professional, and I, and I tell a lot of people is that you have to be a, a agent of change, right? You have to be an agent of change and understand that the experience is going to change. So, so uh, the first thing I do is go in and say, this is how it's going to help your department right? This is how it's going to help you. You, and that's where you really have to do is make sure that they understand their focus and how it's going to help them. Otherwise, you're going to be, you're never going to manage that change. The first thing you do is create that need for change by showing them how it would help them. And then once it's, you test the waters and start seeing small changes, then you can say, look, it's changing. And then it starts to bake in, right? You build that bond, that's a collaborative team, and the silo walls start to break down. Knowing that I'm in for their best interest is the way to help break down the silo. What would you see as one of the biggest challenge when it comes to deliver a great customer experience in today's world? I think the biggest thing is trying to overcome the technology challenge that a lot of companies face. They love to throw technology out there as the guiding answer. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about humans. It's about communication. It's about connecting. It doesn't matter if I'm connecting to you through a chat or through an email or through a phone call, uh, through a text message. It's, it's really how do you create that um, connection in the digital space? It's easier over the phone, but in the digital space, it's a little bit difficult, right? So again, connecting and, and really understanding that technology doesn't do it. Technology 
it's just a methodology of delivering that connection. And if you count on technology to do it for you, then you're failing from the start. Can you give me an example of a really tailored customer experience that you have done or someone at the, the company that you've been working for have done? 7-Eleven did a great job at this. On 7-Eleven, July 11th, we had some babies born. And my team, members of my team, I had the voice of the customer team and I had some other teams there, but they said, oh, we're going to send out, you know, stuffed care packages to those babies being born on 7-Eleven day. And so they sent out, you know, the onesies and all these other gifts. And then they had like coffee bars for the nurses at the 7-Eleven coffee bars at the nurses station. So that was just really exciting to see that stuff to happen and see the thrill of those babies being born. We would pick 10 babies every year and send that stuff out to them. And then the other one was we had a couple, they drank 7-Eleven coffee every day. They go and they were getting married and they wanted to get married on 7-Eleven that day. And we sent them like a 7-Eleven cake. We had a, they had a 7-Eleven coffee bar at their wedding reception. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it was just 7-Eleven stuff everywhere. Uh, donuts, you name it. They had uh, the 7-Eleven uh, food bar where they could get uh, hot dogs. They had all this stuff there. And they and they live and breathe 7-Eleven. So those kind of things just live with you forever. And people are excited and that just, they're loyal to the, the brand. So those things are great. And how do you think you build that brand loyalty amongst your customers? You got to provide some service to them, right? Some people, and it, it's individual services because everybody's uh, expectation is different. But for 7-Eleven, it was about convenience. But some people walk in the convenience store and if they seen a dirty bathroom, they're like, oh, this is not my experience. Other people are like, I'm fine because I just want to get my 7-Eleven coffee and leave. It's got to be tailored to the individual. And that's what's hard about it, customer experience because everybody's expectation is different. But you got to meet it on a, a basic line of saying, okay, uh, this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. So you got to push yours a little bit above the acceptable mark. I got to make sure that everybody understands their medical claims here at United Healthcare. That's the standard. You can't, I can't deviate. Some people might understand it quickly. Some may not understand it, but if you don't understand it, I'm going to take time to make sure that you understand it. And that's what I push my advocates here to do is to make sure that everybody understands it at the basic terms. Meeting everybody's expectation is how you deliver on that customer experience. So looking into the future, what changes do you think we will see in the customer experience space? You see all this delivery stuff going on now and, you know, COVID has changed so much stuff. But yeah. I think at the basic core of it, we're going we're gonna to still see, you still see people talking on the phones. But technology, video, boom, I want to send you a video so that you can fix it yourself. Self-service is going to be, is going to be changing to a dynamic way. I think that is the future of really besides calling in or chat. Even when you chat, you're going to be chatting about something and then I can say, oh, by the way, let me send you this YouTube video so you can fix this 
piece of equipment by yourself, or yeah. I can send you the step-by-step -step instructions of how you can file a claim with United Healthcare. And here's a video to help you get, work, work you through that. Self-service is really um, going to have to step up in the customer experience. If you if you will describe one single most important attribution to a great frontline employee, what would that be? Compassion and empathy. Those are two things that I need. And if I always tell people, I don't when I'm in, in hiring for people to work here at United Healthcare. I don't need people that are experienced on the phone. I need people that are empathetic and compassionate. That's all I need. I can teach you how to use the phones and the technology, but I can't always bring that compassion and human element to the game. And my last question for you, do you have a quote to live by? I do. This is a quote that I have lived by for a long time in my military career. I don't even know who wrote this, but it's called Excuses. And it goes, excuses are monuments of nothingness. They build bridges to nowhere. And those who use these tools of incompetence are masters of nothingness. I never use excuses. I just push forward because I, I want to be a master of something. So there you go. That's a great quote to live by. Excuses doesn't take you anywhere, right? <laughs> exactly. They never get you anywhere. Awesome. That was all the questions that I had for you. Thank you. It's been very great talking to you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Frontline Magic Podcast with your host, Susan Axelson. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at susan at frontlinemagic.org with any feedback or thoughts that you would like to share on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Frontline Magic provides you with the tools, insights, and inspirational stories you need to deliver an awesome customer experience. Sign up for free and learn more on frontlinemagic.org. And thanks for making Frontline work awesome.